Welcome to episode 81 of the BMcast, not a podcast that attends a rally organised and attended by Nazis, then tries to deny any association with them despite standing alongside them at the very same demonstration, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I'm joined by the mirror shell crab herself, Emma. How are you doing today? Hey, yeah, doing okay. Uh, it's been a very, very good, good. busy week for me, so it's a bit of a short update this week. So mm. over at TCG Player, one of the highlight articles I've done for the week is about Pioneer. I wrote a short nice. like opinion piece on why Pioneer is great and why you should play it. Because nobody's playing standard, let's be honest. That's, a, no. that's an arena format. Modern's really stale because you've got Lurus and just how expensive it is. So Pioneer's mm. like the Goldilocks thing. It's like the best thing in the middle of that. Just right. right. So yeah, and plus Neon Dynasty's coming out soon, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. And that's going to mm. encourage Pioneer in a big way. That is also up on TCG Player, so feel free to read it. I recommend reading it. If you're not into Pioneer, it just gives you an idea of where the format's at. Um, otherwise, because obviously the Neon Dynasty previews are all done, despite it feeling like mm. a really short preview season, I don't know about you, it's just been like a week. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not really short, because they, they put the full reveal up, not like last Friday. We recorded mm. on Sunday, so it was this Friday gone. Felt like, it was just like, wow, okay, I felt like I missed a load of stuff. Side note. Yeah. So yeah, I've been, I've been combing through the, uh, the full reveal for, you know, to add stuff to my peasant cube. Mm. There is probably at least half a dozen cards that go in <laughs> with about a dozen that could go in. There is so much good stuff, like commons and commons. Oh, yeah. It's just, I'm excited to see where the cube goes, but at the same time, I'm just stressed out because there's going to be a lot of changes to it. Also spent a lot of time updating my pauper decks because we had a ban not mm. too long ago. And there's a pauper event happening when this recording goes live, actually, it'll be this Thursday. So I updated Tron, so it's now mono green, so it's your classic sort of Fangren Tron, it's just your traditional mono nice. green, just the fair Tron that we that we should have. Um, then I've got Azorius Familiars, I've added a few cards to that, and then I've got Jeskai Midrange. Um, if you're not familiar with Jeskai Midrange in modern, uh, in, not in modern, in pauper, it is cleansing wildfire, controly, midrangey sort of stuff of all your counter yeah. spells and ephemerates and stuff, which is quite fun. And then I picked up a couple of cards for Quintorius and Commander, which is just basically nice. some retro border cards because it's a history deck and it should all be old school because, you know, <laughs> I like a theme and I'm a nerd. Um, and that's pretty much it. So I'm just spending a lot of time nice. just combing through my collection and just updating stuff. How about you? What have you been up to? A few bits and bobs. I'm I'm super, super tired. Uh, I did a lot of editing for different projects and stuff this week, but otherwise I am fine. In terms of content... The article this week is the usual one. I do this at the start of every new set, and that is like three interesting new commanders from the newest set. So in this case, it's Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. I cover a Saga's commander, a big spells commander, and I'm not going to spoil the third one. It's a super secret third commander. It's a very special one. So I will suggest you go and have a read of that. It's live now in Card Kingdom, so as soon as we're finished here, once we get to the credits, you can go and check that out. As for everything else, I've done very little this week outside of work and stuff, which is unusual because normally I have some time to do, you know, like I've gotten one or two games in, but nothing major. I have finalized my list for Feather Blink, which is now called Boros Bounce House because I have to name my decks great names all the time. For the first time ever, I went through all of my commander decks and made a list of all the cards that I want to add from Neon Dynasty. I never normally do that. Normally I'm far more chaotic. I'm like, Three weeks after release, I'm like, oh, damn, what did I say I was going to add here? Oh, uh, what about this thing? Uh, oh, geez. And then, like, I forget half them. I'm very proud of myself for being so organized for a change. It's completely not like me at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then also on the day of recording, which is Sunday, tonight I will be on Chase or Manicur's stream. And they're going to be playing with myself, Rachel Weeks from the Commander Sphere podcast and Andy Flowery from the Guardian Project podcast. So it's going to be fun. There's going to be a lot of talking heads in there. So uh, it'll be good. It'll be good. If you missed it, you will be able to catch the VOD on Chase's Twitch, which I'll link to in the show notes as well. So go check that out there. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BMcast to join today. 
There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMCast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. All right, so Emma, last week it was your card of the week, so it is now my turn, and I have got a good one for you. So, this one is Florian Valdaren Scion, right, from Midnight Hunt. It is one a black and a red for a 3-3 legendary vampire noble with first strike that reads, at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, look at the top X cards of your library, where X is the total amount of life your opponents lost this turn. Exile one of those cards and put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order, and you may play the exiled card this turn. So, it's $1.20. It is really powerful card selection. It's a good, strong mid-range commander by itself. It works so, so well when you build around it. But it can also just slot into basically any deck that runs red and black and you have creatures that attack, so it's fine. Even with itself, if you just attack by itself, it's dealing three damage. That lets you basically impulse draw one of your top three cards, but it scales massively. Like, I have it in my Dargo and Nadir deck, and last night I swung for 17 at one player, and then I got to look at the top 17 cards of my library. I basically, it's it's like a repeatable, like, demonic tutor. Yeah on a stick it's like it's bananas and it's also based on loss of life so like burn spells and pingers and that kind of thing they all count towards it as well so if you tap a thermo alchemist that's already going to add another three cards deep like that's wild that's a lot that's a lot of value isn't it yeah I know that like more CEDH and stuff are using it because they immediately realized how like incredibly powerful it is Mm. but I think that this is the kind of card that can translate really, really well into casual as well, because it's not quite a tutor, but it also is very good at selection. But at the same time, it also encourages playing to the board and combat and stuff as well. So, like, I think overall, it's just a really, really good card that could be used basically anywhere. Yeah, it's one of those cards that I kind of like in Commander. Like, yes, it's a tutor, and we know how powerful tutors are in Commander, but this mm. you have to jump a bunch of hoops to get get to the tutoring bit and i think that's yeah. what makes commander pretty fun like yeah you get this powerful effect but at the same time you can just be like yep i need to do this i need to ping i need to get into combat sort of thing um it's a lot more fairer i guess is what i'm trying to say yeah for sure all right so the main part of the episode we are here we are at the end of kamigawa neon dynasty preview season and we are waiting desperately for the pre-releases and for the product to become available while we're waiting figured it would now would be a good time to run through a bunch of the cards we've already touched on a bunch of them from last week where we were talking about them like mid spoiler season but now we've made our top fives our sort of predictions of what they might do in uh, different formats and stuff and this was actually inspired by a question that ozzy on the bmcast discord gave us last night and their question was now that the full set has been revealed what is your favorite spoiler or card from neon dynasty and they suggested making a top five so rather than just making a top five, we have four. We have four top fives. We have one for Modern, one for Pioneer, one for Commander, and one for Pauper. And we're going to cover all of them today. That's quite a lot. Quite a lot. That's a lot of top fives. <laughs> we also tried, if there are cards that are likely to overlap, we tried to not include them yeah. too often. Because let's be real, like some of the cards are going to show up in multiple formats because they're just that good. But yeah. I would like to start, if that is okay. Of course. I have one that I'm very excited about because the artifact player in me saw this and went, well, I'm on board. And that is Reality Heist. Five blue blue for an instant that costs one less to cast for each artifact you control, which basically is affinity. And it reads, you look at the top seven cards of your library, you may reveal up to two artifact cards from among them and put them into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So it reads like Dig Through Time, except four artifacts and it has affinity. Affinity is a busted mechanic. Dig through time is busted. You know, put two and two together. Let's be real. This is only going to do busted things. Urza decks want this. Affinity itself is probably going to want at least one or two copies if you're playing like a slower, more mid-range version of it. Like in Soul, in Pioneer might want this as well. Mm-hmm. As an aside, we haven't we have we don't have this on the Pioneer list, but you know, it's in terms of modern. I see this doing silly things, to be honest. Yep, it's a really good card. And also, because it's an uncommon as well, a nice thing that it's going to be yeah. pretty cheap to pick up. Yeah. And yeah, this is just like extra thought casts for your Infinity decks. So have mm. fun with that. Because I know yeah, I will. I have 12 casts I now. know I will. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so the next one is one we talked about last week, I believe, which is uh, Besiege mm-hmm. Who Endures. So if you're not familiar with what the card does, I'll give you a quick rundown. So it's a legendary land that taps for green. There is a whole cycle of these cards that are channel lands. It's a ability back from Champions of Kamigawa that they reintroduced where you just pay a cost and you discard a card and you get an effect. And the effect mm-hmm. on Besiju is uh, you destroy target artifact, enchantment or non-basic land and opponent controls. That player may search your library for a land card with a basic land type. So this does include stuff like shock lands, triomes, etc, etc. Um, they put that onto the battlefield and then they shuffle up. The ability costs one mm-hmm. less for each legendary creature you control that's in play. So it's just a free include for any green deck and commander. Like you just add this to your impre- already great suite of like yeah. green land cards, right? Um, it destroys most hate pieces in modern, for example, here. So it gets rid of Blood Moon, it gets rid of Chalice of the Void, any yeah. sort of nuisance artifacts, uh, or any just like nuisance lands, like Tron lands and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, the fact that they get another, like a, a, like a shock land or something out of it is often fine, I think. I think that downside is not too bad. But yeah, yeah this is just going to be in like Tron. Amulet Titan plays this because you can bounce it back with a shock land later, uh, with a bounce land later on and just discard it and yep it's just a very very good card expect to see it everywhere (laughs) absolutely everywhere we could basically put this on every single list except popper because it's a rare yeah but we figured that putting it in modern it's probably gonna have the biggest impact probably say it's probably one of the most versatile cards in the set of multiple formats and yeah just if you open one up at pre-release keep it that's all i'm gonna say don't get rid of it because you'll probably need it at some point (laughs) yeah now Next on my list is one I'm going to talk about for a moment, okay? Because I have feelings about this and I don't think many people have the same feelings. And that is Reinforced Ronin, right? It is one red mana for a 2-2 artifact creature, human samurai with haste, right? And it says at the beginning of your end step, return Reinforced Ronin to its owner's hand. And then it has channel, so you can pay one in red and discard Reinforced Ronin from your hand to draw a card. So, Burn might actually want this. I know that sounds wild because, you know, people are looking at it and being like, yeah, but you have to like keep playing it every turn and stuff and bear with me. Okay. So first of all, the perfect burn curve happens way less often than people think, right? People play against burn and they feels like they're getting turn one goblin guide to turn two, two burn spells, turn three, another creature in a burn spell or whatever. And then you're dead. That's not always the case. Pretty much all the time. If you have a hand that has like, say, two lands and then spells, you just pretty much have to keep it in burn because otherwise, if you mulligan, you're effectively giving up three points of damage because you're down a card. So your hands can be quite clunky. Reinforced Ronin can help smooth those out. If you don't have a two drop on turn two, you can just use this to fill in one of those points of mana that you'll have spare or something like that, and you you won't really notice much of a difference. However, you're able to then cycle this later to find more burn spells, which Mm. is quite nice. This effectively reads as it having dash for a single red mana and cycling for one to red. Now, the great thing about this as well is because burn decks run the likes of Lurus, what you can do is you can cycle this, draw a card, and then with Lurus, you can put it back onto the battlefield. You can attack with it or not if the way isn't clear. And then at the end step, it just goes back to your hand so you can cycle it again. Mm. That's incredible. Like that's now effectively like Mishra's Bobble only for burn essentially and that's incredible it's really really powerful i'm not necessarily saying that they need four but they might need like two plus it's got an artifact type in as well so if you choose Mm. to run like unholy heats or you know dragon race channeler you've got this nice little synergy with the delirium stuff as well i do think burn players tend to stick to goblin guide like far too aggressively i think they could i think you could make a case you could run like dragon race channeler or even this a combination of both instead of goblin guides and it probably play out similar what do you think? There's like this weird... Old hat sort of thing. Because some of them don't play Lurus, which just blows my mind as well, because it's free. It's like, no, there's no downside yeah. to playing Lurus in Burn. <laughs> like... Yeah, so when it, when it comes to aggressive red decks in Modern, there's sort of like a triangle. There's Burn, yeah. there's Mono Red Prowess, closer to Blitzy kind of thing, and then there's like the Mono Red Obosh, which is like mid-rangey stuff. I think this is slightly closer to the Burn Obosh line, mm-hmm. somewhere along there. It's not like strictly burn, but it's not anything else either. It is there somewhere, and I do think it has a home. I think we just need to sort of figure out where it is. Yeah, it, d- it does feel like with burn decks, the innovation is not quite there because it's just like it's burn. Like it's it's not yeah. that exciting, is it? Let's be honest. It's just working in freeze most of the time. So people just think, yep, yeah, it just needs a 
sleeve up and I can leave it as it is sort of thing. Low maintenance wise it's great but at the same time it's mm. just like what if you shuffled a few cars around like you could probably get something more out of it. Yeah. So another one that I think we talked about last week which is probably one of my favourite cards in the set is, is up there and that's Lion Sash. Mm. Uh, so you get an artifact creature equipment cat which is a lot of types. <laughs> you expect to see that in the end dynasty. So for a generic and a white you get an ability that is you pay white to exile target card from a graveyard if it was a permanent card you put a plus one plus one counter on it uh, a quick creature gets plus one plus one for each plus one plus one counter on lion sash and then you can reconfigure for two so uh, mm-hmm. that attaches it to a creature or you can unattach it but it comes in as a one one so it has to come in as a creature first and then you attach yep. it um it's just scavenging who's in white let's be honest that can be yeah. stoneforge mystic tutored it can be brought back with allurus it can it's just really good for affinity because it's really good hate. You can play it in Pioneer yeah. as well in like uh, Scissors decks. It's just Graveyard Hate packed in with Inevitability, which is what you always want in Modern. And Scavenger News will play mm. for the longest time. And White is probably one of the better colours in Modern at the moment. So expect to see a lot of play of this card. For sure. There's just so many places this can fit into. Yep. It's very, very good. Now, I, mm, I might be showing my bias with this one. Uh, so fifth <laughs> on the list is containment construct right so it's too generic oh, for a 2-1 and it reads whenever you discard a card you may exile that card from your graveyard if you do you may play that card this turn so first of all it's an artifact relevant when you're playing with a lot of decks that have like Ursa Saga and that kind of thing but the Asmorana Marduk Dice Nukuldakar and the Underworld Cookbook decks might actually really really want this because you have to discard cards to cookbook. Now, I know they have the little engine with the Oval Chase, Daredevil, and that's neat and everything, but you don't always have that. Also, it tends to be a dead card when, you know, it could be a better card in the deck. The card quality could be increased with something else. But you want to make sure that you still have things you can do. If you have a containment construct out, any card that you discard can just be then immediately exiled and then you can play it anyway. So that's very useful for them. But also, Hollow One might want this. Yeah, because if you play this, and then you play a Burning Inquiry, if you accidentally discard all your Hollow Ones, well, first of all, they all cost zero, and you can play them this turn. Mm. Bananas. That's super, super powerful. Well, also, just know that Containment Contract says play as well, so that does include lands. That's an important... It's not yes. a cast, it's a play, which is incredible on a 2-1 uncommon. It's the cards yeah. are uncommon, which blows my mind. Like, the effect is so good. Yeah, so Burning Inquiry effectively becomes draw three cards for you it's essentially ancestral at that point for mm. you and also mess up your opponent's hand like sounds great you know sound good so there are topics for modern moving swiftly on to pioneer mm-hmm. emma what are you excited to see so i have not been afraid to talk about how great secluded courtyard is going to be for pioneer so if you haven't seen it it is one of the uncommon tribal lands coming in neon dynasty so when mm. it enters play you name a creature type add a generic mana or you can tap it to add one mana of any colour, spend this mana to only cast creature spell of the chosen type, or activate an ability of the of a creature or a creature card of the chosen type. So it's just a really sweet, uncommon, untapped, importantly it's untapped, mm. land for tribal decks. We don't really see tribal decks too much in Pioneer at the moment, just because you've got Unclaimed Territory, that is like the only other one. But it allows, it allows the format to open up into more tribal decks. So you've got stuff like vampires, you've got humans that will really want this. Spirits will want this as well. Banned spirits, is land base mm. is really clunky. You run like 20 pathways just to get the right sort of fixing. So this will be really nice. Um, yeah. This is probably one of the best sort of like um, tribal lands we've seen in a little while. And I would just be very, very tempted just to pick four up and forget about them because they'll just see play everywhere. Easily. Even in Commander, like if you want a Tribal Commander deck, also great. And if you play Elves, this is also great, because you can use this to activate Izuri's ability, because it, yeah. it that counts as well. So yeah, this, this card's just great. Big fan of it. Super, super great. Now, <laughs> I'm going to bring up the only <laughs> repetition, I think, in the list, and that is Reinforced Ronin again for Pioneer, because... Honestly, I, I know that it probably has some sort of place in Modern, but in Pioneer, this is like as good as Goblin Guide is in yes. Modern. You know, like this is bananas. This is so, so powerful in Pioneer. It gives a boost to the already good Burn and Red decks that are in existence in Pioneer. Like I said earlier, it fills gaps in the curve. It's really, really good. It effectively works in Pioneer like a shock with buyback, mm. which you're already playing the one mana shock-like spells anyway. So that's good. 
And, you know, when it can no longer punch through defenses, you can cantrip into burn spells and that kind of thing. So not much more to say here. It's just I do think that it is going to have a bigger impact in Pioneer, but my rant is more relevant to modern. Yes. So, yeah, (laughs) there you go, I guess. Yeah. Um, So the next one we've got is March of the Otherworldly Light. So this is a cycle of Mm. rare cards that um, you can discard, exile a number of cards of that colour to get extra effects, like to reduce the cost of it. So this is the white one. So for X and white, you get an instant. As an additional cost to cast a spell, you may exile any number of white cards from your hand. This spell costs two less for each card exiled this way. Uh, And you can exile a target artifact, creature, or enchantment with mana value X or less. This is basically Mm. Pioneer's prismatic ending. Yeah. Essentially. Really good for blue-white control because blue-white control is pretty light on removal because they don't have stuff like Path to to Exile, for example. Um, So this just helps the issue a lot. And plus you can just hit artifact creatures and enchantments as well. So it's pretty Mm -hmm. broad speaking. So yeah, I expect to see this in blue-white control. And you're never going to need it for... like You can exile a card, but at the same time you can just pay the cost because it's just X and white. It's really easy to cast as well. Hmm. You just get this upside of exiling like a supreme verdict to get rid of something, so... Yeah, it's cool. Next one up, I, again, might be showing a slight bias, but I genuinely do think that this could have impact in the right build of the right deck, Mm -hmm. and that is Discover the Impossible. So, it is two and a blue for an instant that reads, look at the top five cards of your library, exile one of them face down, and put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. You may cast the exiled card without paying its mana cost if it's an instant spell with mana two or less. Sorry, mana value two or less. If you don't, put that card into your hand. So effectively, this is an impulse. And if you happen to hit an instant that's mana value two or less, you can cast it for free. So it could be relevant for Phoenix because this is two spells from one card. So you might want to run a couple of copies. I know they already run pieces of the puzzle. This might be a little more relevant. Um, But it doesn't fill the graveyard, so it's worth noting there. But also, Jeskai Ascendancy combo might want this because you can cast this and hit like a Growth Spiral or an Opt or Consider or something and get double Ascendancy triggers, which helps keep the chain going. Mm. So, yeah, it could be relevant in either of those decks in particular. Probably worth picking up a playset. It feels like the kind of card that like will become relevant at some in some deck in like three years time and then people are going to yeah. be like, where do I have my Kamigawa chaff? I don't know. Yeah, So get what you mean. And then lastly, we have... I really like this card on a side note. I love the fact that robots are a thing. So we've got Mobilizer <laughs> Mech. Uh, so for one generic and a blue, you get an artifact vehicle. So vehicles are back in Neon Dynasty, which is great. Because yes. I think it's a really cool mechanic. Um, this creature has... Or this vehicle has flying. Uh, and whenever Mobilizer Mech becomes crude, up to one other target vehicle you control becomes an artifact creature to the end of turn. So it has crew free. Mm-hmm. So you need a power of three or more to crew it. And it is a free for itself. So it's got a pretty good rate. So blue, white, and Jeskai vehicles could be a thing in Pioneer, mm-hmm. which sounds pretty fun because I really like the vehicles decks in like standard of old. So it'd be kind of cool yeah. to see that come back again because Neon Dynasty has so many powerful, just cheap cards. It's probably going to give birth to an archetype in Pioneer, so I wouldn't be surprised just yep. to see vehicles as an archetype in the format. And you can slot this into Insol decks because like they need more toys, so you can yeah right <laughs> give it some scissors. Like let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, give your mech some scissors and now it's a 5-5 flyer. Yeah. Sounds great. Seems great, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, moving on to Commander, we are going to talk exclusively on this list about legendary creatures because often the most impactful cards from sets tend to be the new commanders. So we're going to talk about some of the most impactful ones from Neon Dynasty. Well, what we reckon at least anyway. And I'm going to start off with Hinata Dawn Crowned. So they are one blue-red-white for a 4-4 legendary Kirin spirit with flying and trample. That reads, spells you cast cost one less to cast for each target, and spells your opponents cast cost one more to cast for each target. So I know for a fact that a lot of people are working on this already as a new stacks commander, very similarly to Grand Arbiter Augustin IV, which is known for being a particularly mean deck. Mm-hmm. So... Adding red is probably good because it means that they might have like a faster kill condition or something. But yeah, that part aside, that's less why I'm here for it. The reason that I'm talking about it now is because this can go absolutely bananas with X spells, right? So if you use like Curse of the Swine, which is a card that's already good enough to see regular playing commander. When you cast this, no matter how many creatures you target, it still just costs the blue blue. 
because every time you add another target, that increases its cost by one normally. But with Hinata out, it reduces the cost by one, so it stays the same. So you can exile the entire board and turn everything into pigs for two mana. Mm. Or one that I'm excited to try out with this is Indomitable Creativity. Yeah, for everything yes. that you target oh with this, it's just red, red, red. Yeah, You can take out the entire board if you want and just cause chaos and have everybody Indomitable Creativity into random junk from their deck. Yeah, you got stuff like Finale Devastation as well, which just seems fun as well. Just like... There's so much you can do. There's like X spells matters deck. Just seems really, really fun. Yeah. A little hint. This is one of the commanders I talk about in this week's article. <gasps> I bet uh, the Jess guy's happy. Yeah. Uh, also worth pointing out the cards like Sublime Epiphany and Mystic Confluence can easily become less than half of their casting cost. If you get just four of the options on Sublime Epiphany, which is almost trivial, right? Because you mm. can always bounce something, you can always have yourself draw a card and you can counter an ability. If you can get one more thing on there, it costs blue, blue. Mm. That's bananas. That's ridiculous. Sounds like a yeah, good time. If used proactively and in a fun way, this can be an incredibly enjoyable and satisfying commander. Yeah, yeah I agree. So next up is Go Shintai of Life's Origin. So we finally have a shrine mm. commander, finally. So free generic and a green, you get a legendary enchantment creature shrine, which is, again, a lot of typing. Mm-hmm. It's got an ability, which is Weeberg, so it's one of each color, and you tap it. Return target enchantment card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Whenever Go Shintai of Life's Origin or another non-token shrine enters the battlefield under your control, create a 1-1 colorless shrine enchantment creature token. That is a lot of words. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's the biggest, the big splashy new five-color commander for the set. Mm-hmm. There's a huge influx of shrines in Neon Dynasty, so this is the ideal commander just to house all the shrines, yeah. even the ones from Core 21 and all the one, or Core 20, I believe, and the ones from Champions of Kamigawa. It generates shrines by paying more shrines. Yeah. Also, it just replaces... Cissé is just like now replaced with this because it's just a Shrines Matter card, right? <laughs> yeah. Just seems really, really fun. Just a cool way. It's, it's what I love about Kamigawa. It's very flavorful, so you just got stuff like this and you can play your Shrines deck, which seems sweet. Yeah, for sure. Now, next on the list, I had to rule zero this one in. So be, I don't blame you because it's cool as hell. <laughs> so I will have a little bit of explanation for this, but Mech Titan Core... All right. Yes. It is too generic for a 2-4 artifact vehicle. It is not legendary, and it has crew 2. However, it has an ability where you pay 5, exile mech titan core, and 4 other artifact creatures and or vehicles you control. You create mech titan, a legendary 10-10 construct artifact creature token with flying, vigilance, trample, lifelink, and haste, and it's all colors. When that token leaves the battlefield, you return all cards exiled with Mech Titan Core, except for Mech Titan Core itself, to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control. So, a lot of players are already looking to rule zero this in as their commander and have the token be the commander, so to speak, for the deck. So, this is already great because seeing players want to rule zero things mean that people are playing the way they want to play. And that's a very good thing. It will expose more players to the benefits of playing Commander in a way that isn't part of what many see, many do see Commander as a prescribed set of rules. It's more like a, they're more guidelines. You know what I mean? Like they're, you don't have to play this way. Like what Dan said a couple of weeks ago, like Commander is essentially an umbrella under which a load of other like weird wobbly formats sort of just coagulated into Mm. this is now where we all sort of sit and it's all roughly kind of around the same and it's fine like within your own pods and stuff you can do whatever you like you know like there's a player in my pod Dahi they want to rule zero this is a commander I'm like yes do it absolutely I've I've done it before it sounds cool I had had Hans and Safi as rule zero partners yeah yeah, and this is the kind of thing that you should be able to do in pods and stuff that with people that you're comfortable with and that you regularly yeah. play with. And as more players are going to be doing this, more other players are going to see that like, oh, well, this is actually fine and it's kind of fun and it's neat and we're making it our own. That's going to be a slight improvement for the overall experience for a large number of players, which means that by volume, that's a huge ma- amount of improvement mm-hmm. to the format in general. And I think that alone is what warrants putting this on the list, even okay. though it is not technically a commander. Yeah. Ah, there also, we go. <laughs> it, it reminds me of Power Rangers. Right. And I'm not yeah. going to lie, I've been tempted to make a, a Commander deck around this because I love the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? I'm not going to say any more, but you should read my article this week. <laughs> Ooh, the shameless plugging today. <laughs> yeah, I've broken free from the intro itself and now I'm free to plug everywhere. 
<laughs> anyway, so next up we've got Nashi, Moonstage Scion. So for one generic mana and two black, you get a legendary creature that is a rat ninja. It has ninjutsu for three generic and a black. So whenever Nashi, Moonstage Scion delete, uh, deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of each player's library. Until the end of turn, you may play one of those cards. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its mana value rather than paying its mana cost. And it is a 3 2. Mm. Stealing cards from your opponent's deck is super fun. A lot of people play Gonti to get that sort of effect. Paying life instead of mana can be silly. See bonus mm-hmm. of Citadel in Commander, that card's just messed up. Crick, yeah. It has it has the potential just to be a really fun, like mono black ninjas sort of steely deck. Or it can just be really fun in the ninety nine. Like I think there's a lot of ways yep. you can build this without being, oh hey, I'm gonna steal everything. I don't recommend building it if you're looking to play a spell table though. That's my only rec. Because playing mm. steely cards on, in spell tables feels a bit rough, but otherwise it, it seems a pretty fun card. Yeah. What I was thinking of with this one is, you know the creature from Kaldheim where it has boast and you can have target player tutor to the top of their deck? Yes. You can attack with this and then when there's no blocks, well, you, got, you can um, activate that. You got the core 20 card as well, haven't you? The one scheming symmetry, is it? Yeah, You can make, make that and then you can steal it as well. That'd yeah. be quite fun. Yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> lot of good things to be done there. Now, the final one we're going to talk about today in Commander is Ishin Two Heavens as One. So they are red, white, black for a 3-4 legendary human samurai. That reads, if a creature attacking causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. So this is the kind of powerful Commander that I think makes Commander better. And that is because it makes you commit to the board it makes you want to do more attacking you know it, it's just it's good it's a powerful combat oriented commander it works really well with popular effects like alesha uh, who smiles at death and revenge of ravens as well because it triggers a permanent it's not just creatures attacking mm. so unlike wolfgar it does that as well and what i really like about this commander is that when they're not on the table you have a perfectly functional and effective deck yeah. it's designed that way when Nishin's on board, it's absolutely crazy. And that is the kind of effect that a lot of players love in Commander, is that, like, my deck is good, but then I play this one card, and then everything is insane. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing against this. It's going to be scary and dangerous, oh, but yeah. it's going to be good. Also, it just encourages combat, and I just love encouraging combat in Commander. Yep. It's just, again, it's just a great way to end the game instead of just dirtling around and comboing off. Mm-hmm. All right, now what we're going to do is we're going to move over to Popper to round it out. Mm. Emma, why don't you start us off? Yep, so there seems to be some really good stuff for Pauper, so I'm quite excited to see how mm. Neon Dynasty pans out. So first up, we've got Akiba Reckoner Raid. So it is an enchantment saga. Uh, for one black, you get an effect. So chapter one and chapter two is each opponent loses one life and you gain one life. Uh, so a lot of the these sagas turn into creatures on the third chapter, so the third chapter flips into a creature. That creature is a Nazumi Road Captain, which has a Menace, which is a 2-2. And vehicles you control have Menace. So Mono Blackburn gets a new toy. This is pretty straightforward. For one mana, you get mm. a really cool effect. It becomes a Rogue with Evasion, helping to turn on Mortal Theft Prowl's costs as well. And it's just a good rate. Yeah. It's just a cheap, effective rate. And Mono Blackburn's like teetering on the lower tiers, so this could help push it up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I love that deck, by the way. It's so yeah. fun. It's like burn only, like kind of grindy. It's yeah. great. Um, also, yeah. I love the flip side art of this because it references Akira. Yeah, it's sick. On a side note. <laughs> Next up, we have Experimental Synthesizer. So apart from already going into my Lelia deck, it might also <laughs> go into Popper. Yeah. It reads, it's one red mana for an artifact that when it enters or leaves the battlefield, exile the top card of your library until end of turn you may play that card. And then you can pay two and a red and sacrifice it to make a 2-2 white samurai creature token with vigilance activate only as a sorcery. So this is a one mana cantrip rock that can be played in the likes of the Boros Monarch decks with core sky fishers. So you can play this on, say, turn two, exile something, maybe play whatever it is you exiled off it. Then the next turn you can play your core sky fisher, bounce this back, it leaves. So you get another card. And then you can play it again, get another card. And like you see how the value train just keeps running with this. You can turn it into a threat when you're low on resources as well if you want to. You can just sacrifice it. You'll exile the top card as well and make it 2-2. There's just so much that this does. I cannot see this being any less than like a few copies in Boros Monarch minimum. But I can see it showing up in other places for sure. Really sweet card. 
Um, yeah. Speaking of another really sweet card, is a Moon Circuit Oof. Hacker. So if you haven't seen this one, this is a 2-1 ninja for one generic and a blue, and it has ninjutsu, which is one blue, and it mm -hmm. reads, whenever Moon Circuit Hacker deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. If you do, discard a card unless Moon Circuit Hacker has entered the battlefield this turn. So it is just another ninja of deep, deep hours, let's be honest. It's, it's another yeah. effect, right? It's easier to hard cast and cheaper to ninjutsu as well. So it's mm. a much better effect. Um, looting instead of drawing after the first time isn't much of a drawback. So you, we're very much expecting to see this in like fairies decks, for example. That's the home mm. for this. And maybe some like like ninja star decks. I could see a lot of people just running ninjas just because they want to run ninjas because ninjas are cool. Yeah. But mostly it's going to see a lot of play. It's going to be Ninja of the Deep Hours copies 5 to 8 by far. Um, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how it plays out. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. So he's got a lot of toys. Let's put it that way. Yeah. My one concern with this is that at least against the likes of Mono Blue Delver and Fairies and that kind of thing, one weakness they had was going on the draw. Yeah. Because you had to wait until like turn one, you played, you know, your your Fairy Seer or whatever, and then turn two, you could Ninjutsu in, Ninja the Deep Hours, but then you hadn't got protection for it and so on. Now, on the draw, you can still do that, except on turn two, you can Ninjutsu this in and yeah. hold up like a Spell Pierce or a Dispel or something. So yeah. it might actually change the protection suite that it has yeah. in the deck in order to help compensate that and essentially shore up its main weakness, which is, oh, that feels not safe. No. So, yeah, <laughs> I agree. yeah, we'll have to see how this goes. Yeah. Uh, it's a, don't get me wrong, cool design card. Great. Oh yeah. Kind of wish it was an uncommon, but... Yeah, oh well. <laughs> I could see that. Now, next one. This came in the deck dump at the end, I believe. Not the deck dump, the preview dump at the end. Yeah, so Friday was the preview dump, and this just got casually thrown in. I was like, why did no yeah. one preview this? <laughs> Come this on. is kind of bonkers. It yeah. is Mirror Shell Crab. It's five blue-blue, very expensive, for a 5-7 artifact crab. With Ward 3, which is pretty all right. Now, the real special thing about this is it has channel, two and a blue, and you discard Mirror Shell Crab from your hand. Counter target speller ability unless his controller pays three. Now, that doesn't sound all that impressive or cool or interesting because it's just a mana leak that's kind of uncounterable, sort of, right? The thing is, this is the first ever stifle effect in Pauper. Now, it is a quote-unquote soft effect in that you have to pay three, and if you do, it's fine. However, it's the first of its kind. And the deck that's most likely to benefit from this is Tron, let's be real, because yeah. <laughs> you'll be able to hardcast the creature later and, you know, channeling for three mana is nothing. The important thing with this is that a lot of Tron decks already run Pulse of Marasa to get back creatures. This can be gotten back with Pulse of Marasa. Yeah. So at instant speed for six mana, which again, trivial in Tron, you can Pulse of Marasa back your Mirror Shell Crab, gain a bunch of life, and then stifle something. Yeah. Or just mana leak something either. Like, that works too. Yeah. It's incredibly powerful. It's incredibly powerful. Powerful. It stops, you know, it, it gives you something against Storm. And, you know, it can mm -hmm. stop a Monarch trigger for whatever reason. It's just incredibly versatile. And plus it's a 5-7. It's a really good stat yeah. line for a common um, for that sort of cost. So, yeah, I can see... I can see there being Simictron. I wouldn't be surprised to see if Monobluetron becomes a thing because you've got stuff like Condescend Ooh. as well because um, that's a common. Getting so, me excited now. Yeah, so I think I think there's room for Monobluetron uh, shell now because they mm. they were struggling on uh, like a good blue payoff and I think this is mm. it because it does two Could things. Be. It does the countering and it does, it's a threat as well. So I might brew that up at some point but I feel like Monobluetron is definitely on the card. It also blocks your Fangrim Marauders and Gurmag Anglers quite well. Yeah, it's, it's got mm. a lot of text and it's got Ward Free, so they have to pay to kill it as well, like with the removal spell. It's, it's, it's absurd. This feels like such a perfect fit for Tron because of the ward. Yeah. Not only are you find, like going to find it easy to pay for this, but then you're also taxing your opponent's mana in order to deal with what you're doing as well. Like yeah. that's another step of complexity in dealing with Tron yeah. that now people are going to have to consider. Yeah. Oh god, I'm 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 scared. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, we've got the best girl in the whole set, and that is Spirited Companion. Oh, uh, yeah. So for one generic and a white, you get an enchantment creature that is a dog. It is a one-one. When Spirited Companion enters the battlefield, you draw a card. Mono white aggressive decks are becoming pretty close to being good because they've missed that card draw at a low curve. Mm. The two the two yeah. mana value is really important here. 
almost always better than Search Party Captain. Um, you just yeah. replace it with that, I think, um, going forward. Um, can be bounced in Boris Monarch's deck as well. You can flicker it in the familiars if you want to, you mm. know, <clears throat> if you want to ephemerate your, your good girl. Um, there's just a lot of applications for this, and I just think the card's really, really good. It's the sort of yeah. thing white needed in Pauper for quite a long time. Absolutely. I don't know why, but I'm a huge, huge fan of Mono White Aggro in Pauper specifically. Yeah. It just feels so honest like yes. honest to goodness just like i'm playing savannah lions and honest i'm gonna kill you with these magic, like, and then yeah. Kande comes along and then you're upset yeah but you know what let's just not talk about that <laughs> shall we and <laughs> um, there's one more i want to mention at the end okay uh, like a notable mention for pauper um, and that's reckoner's bargain so if you haven't seen this one it is an instant for mm. one generic and a black um as an additional cost to this spell sacrifice an artifact or a creature you gain life equal to the sacrifice permanent's mana value and you draw two cards. So Deadly Dispute sees a lot of play in Pauper already. Mm. You're not looking to replace this with Deadly Dispute. You're looking to replace it with Costly Plunder from Ixalan. Um, yeah. So this is just a better effect of that, right? Um, you can gain life from sacking lock off a Gurmag Angler or a Mirror Enforcer and you still draw two cards and it's an instant. Um, it won't replace Dispute, but these are your copies of Dispute 5 to 8. Because the treasure's mm. really good with Dispute, but having that life gain option just seems really, really nice. Especially if you get like Burn and you sack a Mirror Enforcer. Like, gaining 7 life is huge. So expect to see this in Pauper quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Alright, so that was a lot, to be honest. I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of us. Like, I expected this to take a long time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we got it done in a reasonable time. So, I think we can afford a few minutes for... Uh, bit of Q&A. Yes. Um, so first up, we've got Munsu Light off the BMCast Discord. They ask, mm. now having access to the full spoiler, what do you think of this set power-wise and balance-wise? And what is the closest comparison you can think of? Think like Throne of Eldraine, Ferris Beyond Death. So I think in terms of impact, it's comparable to Throne. Yes, uh, I, I really do. I think it is healthier in its impact because of the likes of, you know, colored artifacts and that sort of thing. There's also fewer free things. And another thing as well is that they, and I think this is the thing that I haven't really talked much about yet, but I think I'm happiest about. And that is they're tying so much power and strength and value in creatures to things that aren't enter the battlefield triggers. There's very little in the set that's good that has an ETB trigger. There are a couple of things, like obviously, you know, the goodest girl and so on, but there's nothing like massive that like ends the game. Like you look at the, the dragons and there's like the leave the battlefield. You look at a bunch of the warriors and stuff and it's on attack. It's a lot of stuff that like there is a cost to running them. It's not just like I play this and even if you remove it immediately, at least I got something. And I think that is absolutely pivotal to the health of the game in general, because mm. if you just put everything down to it doesn't matter, I got my value anyway, then you have no tension, you have no depth and complexity, everything just starts to, like we've seen over the last couple of years, like everything just starts to steamroll and get out of control because everything is an engine and everything is ridiculous and then there's no there's no risk involved in yeah. basically anything. But in here, there's a lot of risk involved. You know, like with the, with the vehicles, you need to have creatures, which is good, and they have to attack a lot of the time. And with the samurai and the warriors, you have to attack they're things that are worth doing in Magic to make good games of Magic. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it is incredibly high power level. Like, I do think it is close to Throne, but in a healthy way, which I think can only be a good thing. I agree. I think a lot of it boils down to me for when I play with the cards and the sex, a lot of it is in practice. But in concept, mm -hmm. I'm with you. I think it's very powerful yeah. for good reasons, not a... It's, like, it's almost like they've learned, they've learned the lesson from like Eldraine and Feros, and it's like, yeah, we need to... Mm -hmm. We can do a powerful set, but we need to restrict a lot of things. There needs to be hoops to jump through. Yeah, I'm really excited to play with the set. And I haven't been excited to play with like a standard set for quite a, quite a long while. So. Same. Yeah. Um, then we've got a question from that diff on the BMCast Discord. Uh, they ask, what, are, what cards are you most excited for in Pauper and in Modern? So in Pauper, it's either Spirited Companion or Experimental Synthesizer. I really like both. I love that like little bit of value and I know I was just talking about how like oh it's great that like a lot of the power is like not in ETBs and then I mentioned two ETB cards immediately afterwards <laughs> yeah. but like 
they're they're like I said like last week or whichever whenever it was that I was saying that like having good role players like this at like common and uncommon are really really good to help smooth out strategies and decks and that kind of thing and I think these are the kind of things I'm talking about that's really going to help them mm. as for modern um, I th- I think it's I think it's Lion Sash because I'm going to run a couple yeah I think I'm going to run a couple in Affinity anyway yeah you know, I just like, really like the, the application of it card I'm a big fan mm. of Cyborg cyborg s cards that you can play in the main board that just can do this thing but also win you the game through like damage it's just yeah. really nice to have all that pocketed on a like a, a generally costed kind of card so lion sash is my modern one purple one is mirror shell crab because that card's great and i'm just excited yeah. to play with it it's so, it's one yeah. of the most fun commons i think i've seen or one of the past one of the most pushed ones but yeah i'm looking forward to playing with that agreed um aok alters has got a really good question which vehicle from Neon Dynasty would, would you most likely want to drive? Okay, so... This is a great I'm, question. <laughs> I'm actually... Uh, there's been so many, and I'm not used to all the cards yet, that I'm actually... As we type, you can probably hear me typing away. I'm actually going to Scryfall, and I'm looking at all of the... I've got an answer. Uh, vehicles from Neon Dynasty. Go on. Uh, so mine is Mindlink Mech, because it's a badass oh. robot. <laughs> yeah, that's good <laughs> The ni- The 90s in me is just like, yeah, I want to crew like a badass robot. It's just like the most extra thing ever. So, while I do think that like some people's answers are going to be completely valid when they choose something like Thunder Steel Colossus or whatever, you know, the big 7 7 oh, Trample yeah. Hazer, that's, you know, sure, absolutely, you know what, love that for you. Mm-hmm. However, I love the look of the high speed hover bike. Yes. Because so I good. used to, I used to ride a motorbike years ago, so Oh nice. When I see the bike I'm just like oh, I know how that feels, you know? Like Lots so of I I kinda want it. I kinda want it. Also, also, it's a common, it's not particularly good, but I don't care. I want to say that I'm going to get into my brute suit now. Because <laughs> yeah. that's just that's just the best name I've ever heard in my life. Yes. Hold on a second, I'm gonna put on my brute suit to deal with these idiots. Like yeah. Yes. So good. We have a question, or we have two questions, but they kind of ask the same thing, so I'm going to put the two together. Mm -hmm. They're from Jeffrey David and uh, David Angry Fluoride, both on the BMCast uh, Discord and Twitter. They ask, who is the next Planeswalker to become Phyrexian? Tamiyo became completed. They were the first Planeswalker to become Phyrexian. So they both asked, what Planeswalker do you want to see next to get the completed mechanic? Um, I don't know who I want to get completed. Um, Or who do you think? But who I think... Like, I could see Jace becoming completed and becoming an NFT bro and, like, changing oh, their Twitter profile bro. to a hexagon. And, yeah, yeah, you. yeah, like... Um, yeah. You, you, can, you can tell, though. Like, oh, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if Jace existed in this world, yeah. he would be like, no, man, the, the future, though. Like, come hang with me in the metaverse and I'll show you how this... <laughs> oh, like, no, get out of here. Don't VR. make me vomit. No. Um, so, I'm not too familiar with the story of Phyrexia, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Koch becoming Phyrexian because... They are on oh, the no. they are on Phyrexia and then the Phyrexian arena, so that wouldn't surprise me. Um, I don't yeah, but the thing is though, Kot is like Kot is of the hammer. Yeah, he's like I I I personally think that they would be doing Kot dirty if they took someone that's so relentlessly badass and like tough as nails, and like eventually someone got him because like. He's, like, during during all of this stuff, during War of the Spark, during, like, Amonkhet, all that stuff, during all of that, he has literally been on Phyrexia punching everything nonstop. Like, you can't just go, like, oh, guess it, we'll just Maybe. complete him now. It could be, like, like, a failed experiment. I don't know. Yeah. The other one is Tezzeret. I think Tezzeret uh, you is going to get shafted. Yeah. I think he's going to get shafted at some point. They will never yeah. do the original Law in 5 because people will be too upset. We've already had our shock story so, with Tamiya yeah. become Phyrexian. Mm-hmm. So it's just going to be, like, Tybalt or... Tezzeret or something, one of the, the tier two planeswalkers. Well, according to the story, Tybalt was in fact seeded, and yes, that was their words. They were seeded by uh, Vorinclex, I believe. Um, oh, okay. And Vor- so Vorinclex was like, go do this thing, otherwise I'm going to make that worse for you. And then that's what made him do stuff. Oh, um, so Tybalt yeah. could be one. So I just kind of get the impression it's going to be like, you know, you know, the Gatewatch, but like the Avengers, this is like the anti Avengers. They're going to make everyone Phyrexian. It's just like, yeah, yeah, with their seed apparently. What like? Uh... I don't follow the story much, but it's just like, eh, all right. And then we got a question from T James off Twitter. They ask, in what, which card in your opinion would be the most <laughs> impactful addition to the portal format? It is the ninja. Yeah, Moon Circuit Nin- Hackers, but by, by far, <laughs> yeah, it's not close. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. 
Like blue now, I would blue. love Popper to be in a situation where Okiba Reckon a Raid was the card that would have the biggest yes. impact. But unfortunately, it's not a world we live in. So, yeah, it is It is definitely the ninja. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> and then lastly, we've got a question from Joe Chaney off Twitter. They ask, which of the returning mechanics do you think was more successful, vehicles or sagas? Hmm. Now, the I thing is... I think there's been more sagas than vehicles. There have been more sagas than vehicles. The thing is, right, it depends on what you mean by successful. If you mean in terms of like their effectiveness in becoming like a strategy in and of themselves, then it is hands down vehicles. No Mm -hmm. questions asked. If you mean successful as in in terms of designs and functionality and where they might slot into more things, it's going to be sagas. So it really depends. I'm obviously biased. I'm an artifact player. I am always going to choose vehicles no matter what. I'm sorry, but at least I'm telling you about this bias. But <laughs> they have done some cool, interesting new things with sagas. And I am a huge sagas fan. And I, I love sagas. Don't normally, I don't normally like enchantments. I think they're kind of boring. I sorry, everybody. It's but probably like... one of my favorite card types. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. So, so cool. I very much like the idea that this thing comes into play. I, to be honest, Planeswalkers should have the saga typing. They should have that sort of template in where they come in for three turns, do something, and then go away. Because you know, you know how pl- powerful planeswalkers can be. You know, they can mm-hmm. you can recur this ability like every turn, sort of thing. Be interesting to have a planeswalker that does that. Like you come in, it does a thing for a turn, does a thing over a couple of turns, then it disappears, sort of thing. Okay. Just like it's 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 like phasing out. It's going into another. It's planeswalking, whatever. Like the fact that you know planeswalkers can be pretty permanent in the game of Magic. Just a just make gameplay a bit more redundant I don't know it's just a cool Maybe. idea I just think you could turn players walkers into sagas have that sort of design perhaps you could do it I thinking of that now they could have done that easily with the wanderer what with yeah. her spark being very jumpy and stuff yeah. I will point out however just on the argument and I know again it's a little bit of bias but everybody shut up I'm right <laughs> That okay. the new sagas, they flip into creatures, which themselves those. crew vehicles. So in the end, it's always vehicles. Yeah, I, I love the fact that they flip into creatures. <laughs> I hate it for my cube, but I love the design of it. Yeah. Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast, and a special thanks to our patrons. However, we've had more patrons join recently than we could fit into the usual outro, so I've got to speed things up a little bit. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Bradley Rose, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trout 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Morgan Roberts, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, and Tim Newman. And at the Stonks here we have a nice planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nurblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, and Jamie Coyle. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We can't thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagicast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.